When we started our deconstruction journey, Chelsea and I both expanded our knowledge and our worldview by reading books and following social media accounts of people like Dante Stewart, people like Nadia Boltz Weber, Sarah Bessie, and Rachel Held Evans. And even though Rachel Held Evans has passed, she started a conference in Minneapolis called the Evolving Faith Conference. It's a conference that Brian and I would love to attend. Definitely. It would be a dream to be there. This conference is in October and Brandon and I did the budget and it looks like it'll be about $1,100 for us to go. We've started this podcast and we, we do it on our own and we do it for you guys. We have some sponsors, but we really need your help with this. Yeah. And so we've done the math and we figured that if every one of our listeners just gives $8, then we could go to this conference for ourselves and for you. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that we could do it if we do it all together. So you'll find information in the link of our bio and this video for the next couple of episodes in our podcast so that you know how you can help us get to the Evolving Faith Conference. Thank you in advance for the way that you help us. We love you, Dropouts. I met with a friend today. Though we keep in touch on social media, we hadn't seen each other in four years. He messaged me that he was in town and asked if we could meet. My dear friend has lived through so much in his 20-something years. The death of both parents, coming out and transitioning, being rejected and religiously shamed, losing his beloved grandmother, and so much more along the way. He struggled just to stay alive. I met him through our coffee shop ministry. He came to know I was a pastor and yet has entrusted me with his story. I am privileged to be called his friend. I listened as he updated me on his life, sharing deep and personal things. I told him I am proud of him for how far he has come in his journey of healing and mental health. He is much more comfortable in his own skin and is leaning in to knowing he is loved and valued. He wants to live. Thank God he wants to live. When it was my turn to share about my life over the last four years, he learned I am no longer a denominational minister. He listened graciously to a condensed version of my own transitioning, my story of devastating church hurt, deconstruction, exiting ministry, reading a book of essays, and a powerful book study focused on bridging the gap between the church and the LGBTQ plus community. All of these resulting in the expansion of my heart to move more fully to embrace his wounded community. Our time together passed too quickly we hugged tightly, anticipating when we could meet again. As he headed for the door, I thought about those sacred moments together. After receiving my story about the foundation of faith I have landed on, and my joy at now being able to absolutely be free to love, my friend gifted me with these words. I'm proud of you. Oh, hey, dropouts. Welcome to episode 16. The first and last episode 16 you'll ever hear from us. <laughs> um, Man, I, I got that story a couple of weeks ago, and I think we just wanted to start tonight with, with that story because it's just such a beautiful, um, it's such a beautiful picture of what, what ministry in Jesus actually looks like. And it was such a well- well-read story she yeah. wrote it out and read it and i just thought her articulation and the clarity of, of those moments in that sacred space man that was just beautiful so much to unpack too it's, it's i know i loved uh her 
her understanding yeah. and uh and love and support mm-hmm. um and i love the way that uh the way that the person she was meeting with uh was able to express their pride for a leader yeah oh yeah and, and the, the leader and the leader received that yeah cuz um cuz sometimes leaders don't have that humility to to accept a I see you, you're growing from yeah. their, from their people they oh, shepherd. Yeah. There's no humility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think my favorite part of that story was when she, um, when she acknowledged that the, how beautiful it was that in, when he transitioned and obviously I don't know his story, but, um, the result of that was that he was more free to be himself mm-hmm. and she saw that in him. Like what a beautiful thing to be able to notice as someone that's leaning into God and like leaning into loving people. And then she said that he wanted to live, right? Like he wanted to live. And I love that at the end, she kind of pulled it back by saying to her own self, I, I also, you know, went through my own transitioning and I now feel free. Yeah. And so it's like, she, she ministered to this, to this human while he was navigating this transition and finding freedom with himself and then he navigated those waters kind of in this story with her while she found her freedom. And I'm just like, man, what a beautiful full circle moment and story. I'm just so thankful that that we got to be a part of that. Imagine if when you were in like those treacherous days of deconstruction, which they continue God. to still be. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday. No, I'm just <laughs> but when it started to get hard. Yeah. And somebody said to you, like, do you want to live? Yeah. And they didn't mean it in like a. Yeah. Like, are you going to unalive yourself or anything like that? But more so, do you want to experience the freedom on the other side of this thing? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That would have brought me to tears. Well, and like, I don't think I knew when I was in the trenches of ministry and I was in the trenches of like deep Christianity, because for some of you, a lot of you that listen, it's there is nothing to do with ministry. For a lot of you, you were just in the trenches of like deep, deep Christianity and deep evangelicalism where you where you just couldn't get out, where you couldn't right. see the light. And for me in ministry, those trenches where I where I had those moments of literally not wanting to to live anymore. Yeah. Those came in the moments where I'm like, there's no way I could ever be out of this. There's no way I could ever be free from these chains. There's no way I could ever love freely and openly like like she referenced yep. when she left ministry. I couldn't see that. Yeah. And that was just so dark and so scary. So I love the beauty of the people that we have in this space mm-hmm. that get to hear of people that have done it, of pastors right. who've gotten out, of of testimonies, who have people that have met with beautiful church leaders that they trust and love that have gotten out as well. You know, like it's just that's some of the benefit <sighs> of being from our advantage. Yeah. Or from our vantage point as ex-pastors. Yeah. Is we 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 knew enough when we were in these systems to say it wasn't supposed to be this way. Exactly. We know there's, but what I forget is the perspective of the churchgoer that starts deconstructing or is is on the reciprocal or the other end of a pastor or their staff's abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they feel so so alone to the other side. Well, when we were a part of it, we felt the weight of the, we know there's a systemic issue here. Yep. Yep. But when you, are the receiving end and you of the systemic issue and you don't know yeah. the right people, the yeah. right authors. Oh my you God. You don't you're know right. that there's dissonance in the Christian community. You're right. Then you just feel like 
what is the shit that I was handed to oh, yeah. that I loved my whole life. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's no one else like me. That's what I hear yep, over and over right. and over again. And somehow it's weird because here we are on this podcast, 16 episodes deep now and finding hundreds of people who, who somehow all yep. have had this experience, but when you're experiencing it for some reason, it feels like you can't find anyone for shit right. that's going through it. And I think it's number one, because no one is honest and transparent until they're on the other side of it. Right. And number two, I think people are just scared. They're scared to be honest. They're scared to be vocal. Um, I remember that young adult that messaged me. She, this specific young adult made a post on her social media about leaving and about, about some systemic brokenness and issues. And I remember her messaging me out of, she was so scared. She was so afraid. Like what, what, what will people say? Should I delete it? And I'm like, girl, what? I'm like, you, you just spoke the truth and your truth. Do you have any idea how people need to hear that? And she's like, well, I've already gotten a few messages. I'm like, don't delete it. Like that, that people need to know that like, they're not alone. And you being honest and vulnerable is like part of that process that is really hard and i have a lot of sympathy for that because yeah whenever you hold the tension of is this the right thing to do yeah, yeah. even if you're if you're gonna share the truth about your situation like that person did like yeah it's hard yeah. i wrestle i i will wrestle in writing mm -hmm. my i'll be the sweatiest i ever am like because i yeah maybe I shouldn't, I should be going to the gym more, but like, I'll, I'll get like sweaty palms and, Listen. and I'm typing up a message, yeah. uh, like a post. And I'm like, uh, I know how this is going to hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not it's everyone's going to like me. Exactly. For this. Exactly. But I feel that, that the truth of it needs yeah. to be shared so hard. Well, and you know, what's so funny. I just want to, I, I just, you just made me think of this, you know, I, and I hate, <laughs> I hate when I have to say things like this and you'll know exactly when I say it, because it sounds oh. like you have no humility. So I want to say, like, I swear I don't see myself this way, but I remember the moment. Well, if you're episode 16, you're one of the real ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I remember the moment for me almost where I went from like being so beloved and like everybody loved me and I, and I, and I was all things to all people. And I just had all these friendships everywhere. And I remember, um, I became the NYI president and that never, that didn't change. What does that mean to non-Nazarenes? Um, oh God. Well, we have an organization, you know, Nazarene Youth International, which is just like all the teens in our, in our denomination, right? They've got global, they have global NYI, um, and Representatives then, and then, yep, or... represent, yep, president or whatever. And yep. then they've got the nation, uh, like the United States, Canada representative, and then they've got like local levels, districts. Um, and so for our district, I was the president of our district. Yep. And I remember after that happened, still was beloved, still was great. People were so excited, yada, yada, yada. And then that summer, because I was I was elected, it was like in the winter, I think, yep. it, momentum or whatever kind of was that whole thing. Yep. <clears throat> it was like in the winter. And in the summer, I had gotten a black speaker for camp, a black female speaker. And it was the first. Double whammy, if you will. <laughs> 100%. And it was the first black female speaker. I think we had maybe ever had yep. like, and it was not the first person of color, but we definitely didn't have a lot. It was, it was very, it, she was one, one of what four. First you know what one I mean? I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. So, so I say all that to say, I remember what it felt like to make that decision 
and to ask her to be a speaker and to, and to like make that choice to know that you are about to be outcasted from a community and in a small way in that. And I feel like similarly to sharing a post or being vocal or like speaking out, it's like that feeling when you know you're about to not be liked by everyone. And it really, it's like, and it really is the moment I think for everyone where you have to choose like Jesus or the people, Mm -hmm. um, Jesus or the religious leaders. I really do because I didn't realize that the difference between my relationship with Christ and my following Jesus and actually following Jesus at that time was then you choose Jesus, right? Like, so here I am being liked by all these people and, and doing all the things I thought you should do and not speaking out about the things that I knew were wrong and not pointing out systemic issues. And because it was, it was comfortable, right? I was liked, it was comfortable. I had good money. I was making good money, blah, blah, blah. But, right. the, but the reality of all of that was I was not choosing Jesus the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I was in my, in my head, but then you wouldn't be liked by everyone. And yeah. once I started having to choose Jesus in those hard moments, but it sucks. It, it was, ter- it was terrible hard. So I don't blame people 10 years younger than me or, you know, on the other side of it in the church and not in ministry for not being able to do it. It's like, holy shit. I mean, it's, it's scary. The amount of comfort that comes with staying aligned with, uh, with the 100% with the conservative majority. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. The amount of comfort that comes with it. God, you're so right. It's weird because it also comes with the power, the influence and the pay that comes with it. Yep. You make, you make a sacrifice by speaking out that essentially could cost you, yep. you know, everything except your character <laughs> to, to the people that matter to Jesus. Right. Yeah. Um, and to, and to people that you meet along the way that get it and understand. But, mm-hmm. So we've got another caller. We're going to play this, uh, this message for you. And this, um, this specific voicemail that we're going to play is it, you'll hear a couple references in this voicemail to previous voicemails because um, this caller was was trying to collect their thoughts and had left us a few messages. So I'm going to play the last message that he left because I think it's the most clear. And I feel like it. he articulates the best. Like, I think he knew this was the one that he like yeah. really wanted to share. So I'm going to play this one for you guys. Hey, guys, it's Vinny again. I'm sorry. I was my messages a little way too long. So I'm going to try to just kind of hit that shit down again. My name is Vinny Palmer. I'm a musician and former minister of music at my church. Um, my deconstruction journey started with tithing and giving and offering money um, where I disagreed with how it was being um, distorted and manipulated for the masses. And so after I deconstructed with tithing, there's a long story that all the voicemails that I've been leaving um, start to go into. But anyway, um, to uh, make a long story short, um, tithing is where I started deconstructing and then I started learning and seeing a whole lot of other stuff that I disagree with. I, I, I hate the binary way that the church is. I'm from a Pentecostal background, which is very parallel to um, evangelicalism. Um, the only thing that differs is the fact that we're black. Um, and our worship expressions are a lot more dramatic and a lot louder and a lot more expressive. So, But we share a lot in common with evangelicalism. Evangelicalism, the binary, the rules, the regulations, all that stuff. So um, that's where my deconstruction journey started. Um, I hope that as I listen to you guys, I can continue to glean from what you guys are saying. And I appreciate this podcast. I appreciate everything you guys are bringing out and bringing to the light. So that's it. Thanks. Bye. 
it's so wild when uh Vinny it's thank you so much for leaving your message it's wild that you would you would say that you're continuing you're going to continue to like learn and glean from us because I'm like I'm like yeah tell us more what lessons do what lessons (laughs) do you do we have that you need to learn because it sounds like you've you've got your own shit you've been through yeah and especially being a former worship leader yeah um, worship pastor I love that because um and and I hope we get to hear more about your experience of what that was like leaving leaving that ministry behind in this journey. I'd love to hear more about that. But um, but I don't know if you guys caught it that, and he said it, I think just a couple of times, but that his deconstruction journey started with tithing. Tithing. And so that made me really, really, it was interesting because earlier um, this, or it was last week, I saw an article um, about tithing also. And it was something about, I'm not going to get all the details right, but it was like the former president of, I think the Latter-day Saints or something Oh, was like, there was this big lawsuit against him and a couple other leaders at that, in that time period, which was a few years ago for like $1.4 billion of like tithes and offerings that were like spent on building like a mall or something. Like it was built on like a profitable, like park city mall or something yeah. and had nothing to do with like the church or like, and it was like, it was discovered that like they had totally, you know, wasted all these funds. I mean, and, and yeah. by all these funds, I mean, 1.4, like billion dollars. Yeah. And so I saw that and I thought, damn, like these churches and this money. And then he left that voicemail and I was like, this is a good conversation to have. Definitely. So it's so it's so weird it has me wishing it was conversational with Vinny because I I wish I could ask questions about like oh what did you find with tithing because I I I know how my stomach feels about some things yeah um and and I'll say some things I'm unsure on on what the like yeah what what am I supposed to do is is that rule is that like we can get into that but I wish yeah. Vinny was here to kind of be like, I know. Well, this is yeah. what I found out because this is what I always heard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting that you say that because we did get some perspectives, not from him necessarily, but on our social media, we had some messages that I want to read real quick. And I I'd won't, love that. I won't share names yeah. because like, I don't know if they want them shared, but this person said, I visited a church once that the pastor asked everyone to hold their money up in the air. <laughs> money, no <way>. and, <laughs> I, I, Oh, I've heard a get out your wallets kind of situation and shamed anyone that was a member or a regular tender that wasn't giving. I'm not sure if it was the norm there, but I decided that I never wanted to visit that church again. <laughs> weird what made you not want to go there again did you not have a cute wallet that day like i got questions <laughs> i have questions i'm just kidding um okay next one chelsea pull out your wallet oh bro <laughs> it's empty <laughs> it's AF. glittery i'm sure <laughs> yeah it's got rhinestones um this one said this person said no problem it's like no problem with tithing just cautious about who the pastor is and what they will use it for mm-hmm. and then this person this is the last one i wanted to read uh and then she put this person put in quotations, it's for the community and quotations. I am a part of that and I'm broke as fuck, <laughs> but still, <laughs> but still handed over like, like the confusing, um, which I just thought was so funny. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, the comment that that one person left about who's the pastor is so funny. Cause like, that's a very specific like what's your character yeah. what have you done like mm-hmm. what organizations are you involved in yeah um well especially because we hear a lot of abuse cases around money in the church 100%. so it's like 100 percent. so i'm Dude. just supposed to trust y'all like again i'm just like 
Oh it's yeah. So wild. I was a part of a church um, in my ministry where they had a case, like a big scandal, like a while before I was there. And this dude, he was the treasurer at their church and he had embezzled like thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, I don't know what the exact number was, but yeah. the best part was when they like looked into this investigation and like, this is hearsay, right? Like I, I did not, I wasn't the one that investigated this case. So take this for what you will. But the person who told me attended the church when this happened. So mm -hmm. they knew like all the tea and they were one of my volunteers in my ministry at this church. And they told me that when they went into this dude's house to like arrest him and like investigate his house and stuff, like, cause he embezzled so much money that it was like that, like a crazy high government that had to get involved or something. That's how much money it was. They found like sex toys and stuff. <laughs> like this dude didn't just embezzle church money. This dude embezzled church money and was buying like the most just like not clergy collars, I guess. <laughs> no, I think there was collars, just not for clergy. Oh, like, gotcha. I, I, like like the stuff that the, the stuff that these people told me that this dude that, that they found in this dude's house. Oh so, my gosh. And it's like how long was this dude just skating money to his account? Because it was so much money. And he was there for for a while. God, so funny. I mean, also like sad, but so crazy. Yeah. It's interesting to me that, and I think we have a unique, um, a, a unique connection with the young, the young voice, young opinions on, on some of these things like yeah. mid millennials and down. I feel yeah. like we have, we have that influence yeah. and we're kind of like gleaning, uh, these opinions from, from the, these generations. And I think like they aren't going to put up with your uh, bullshit. <laughs> not transparency that's whatever right. the opposite of transparency that's, right. that's yeah. what they're not going to put up with yeah your slippery snakiness yeah slippery that snakiness. Right. that's probably the word <laughs> but right. you know what's funny is i i was doing did eight. we mention we're dropouts <laughs> uh i graduated with a 2.7 you no, already 2. said 4. that and 2. i'm 4. not saying my number again 2. so you're gonna 4. have to re-get my 2.7 is way high i think i'm not sure anyway but i did look up i was looking up some stuff um about like scripture and, and a lot of the things that i was reading was saying that it's interesting how big tithing has become in churches. Mm -hmm. Like it's never went away. Like different things have went away in the church, like concepts or practices, yeah. but tithing has not. And they've said it's interesting because in Jesus's ministry in the New Testament, you really don't see a conversation about tithing happening. What you actually see is at one point Jesus scolding the Pharisees for being too legalistic. Exactly. Or, for being yeah, too yeah. legalistic about 10% or being too too harsh about this old testament you know idea yeah. um and i just thought that was kind of an interesting perspective that that's true like i don't are you saying it's wild that the church doesn't allow flexibility and fluidity <laughs> around around what money did, what did what did he just say in that call the the binary yeah, like, yeah. Of, the, of the church yeah um 100 but that's what i mean Can you, like, what would uh, just imagine with me what would a church look like if they I were can't like imagine it. we want to we want to be lenient for people that are poor or lenient for people under 26 that never might be starting their career never heard and, of it but we need to also like like because they have to make money i get it yeah. so they have to be able to say something of like we want you to be able to give but instead of a legalistic, you better yeah hold up hold your wallet. Up your wallet. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, you can't. Yeah. But but what would it look like? Because I bet you somebody's in small group right now, and they couldn't. They were yeah. or they couldn't lead small group or some or because they didn't tie. Because they didn't tie. You know, I was thinking too. Like, um, I'm sorry that your church 
doesn't want to provide a service besides preaching and like Bible studies to make money. But maybe you do have a coffee shop in your church. Maybe you do sell merch and that's how you make a lot of your income. Maybe you yeah. do um, have like a, a, a small, a small part of an offering yeah. that does go to salaries, but like, but like provide a, a better, like, like do something more. Like you don't just get this free pass. And that's what I think really pisses me off is that there's so many churches that will do the hold up your wallet mm -hmm. and you provide a bunch of shit for people. Like you really don't even give what they pay for. And what really gets me is what would it look like for a church to say, Hey, every, every Sunday, we're going to draw a name of one of our new college students and ask them and to hold gonna, up their wallet. And ask oh, them I'm to, sorry. Yeah, exactly. No, that was the last church that, that you were at. No, oh. <laughs> but, but what would it look like to say, we're going to give out a hundred dollar gift card every week for the month, for the summer I months know. to our college. You guys don't, the, every dime you get in, what is so gut wrenching right. to me is that it rarely ever is talked about how hard that money is to give. Or how hard money is for people. It's always just this like concept. You have to give your money. It's in the Bible. And, and it's never like, there's no flexibility. Like you were saying, right. like, how could you not say things like, but, but you know what? Like, why do you say if you're not a member of the church, you don't have to give, but you don't say if you're broke as fuck, please save your money. Right. Like, yeah. I don't understand. It doesn't make, it, make it make sense. Like you don't have to give if you're not a member. If you're young but... and you serve on the church board and then you're asked to be a local pastor and then you, and then right. you're like at talk right. to a, talked with about your money. Like, why aren't you giving, you know, those kind of things. Stop. But, yeah. Is that a testimony? Cause I need to hear that testimony. It might be a testimony. Oh my God. I cannot imagine. In my first pastoral assignment. They talked to you about tithing as a pastor when you were like 22, yeah. 21. Yeah. Literally working for free for free. Yeah. 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 You were a volunteer. I know youth pastor. I know. And they had a conversation with you about tithing. Cause you weren't tithing. This episode's over. I'm going to shit my pants. I can't. And I'm probably going real. to hell. Cause I lied. I this was like, well, I, I've been doing it in cash. So. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. Like, are you fucking kidding me? No way. And the thing about me knowing your job history is not like you did not talk about politics from the pulpit and I'm then so also fuck over. For everyone watching, Chelsea's energy explode right oh now. I'm sweating. You know what's hard? I was just thinking, I know I don't want to sidestep what I just dropped on oh, you a little bit. God. I was trying to think of like unbelievable. You when you said it's always the sermons and the Bible studies what they offer yeah i didn't start thinking about tithing in a creative way until until i until my last church assignment where i was an executive assistant mm -hmm. because and i you were out of ministry i was out of ministry okay. and uh but i supported a pastor that was really uh intuitive mm -hmm. or maybe there's another word for that ingenious i would say yeah and yeah, he he's now a great friend even since leaving so everyone that's watched my job journey, he, you guys sponsor know. the podcast. Okay, just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love you. Keep on. But anyway, he took Jackie and I out to breakfast, checked in Aww, on us. Oh, that's so cute. In Grand Rapids? In Lansing. Oh, we were awesome. driving through, probably to yeah. come record a podcast or something. That makes sense. That's not bad. Um, Anyways. But he would have gone to Grand Rapids, but he actually thinks of a lot of creative ways of like, he For thinks- For people to give, you mean? Yeah. He's, if you get stuck in- well, the Bible says so. Yeah. He he's not getting stuck there. What he's what he's more so assessing is just the general decline in tithing. Yeah. And so yeah. 
And so how are we going to solve it as a church? And if your church is like used to like millions of dollars of income yeah. and you're losing 200,000 every year, you have to solve it somehow. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so you have to, you have to be willing to say like, well, are we going to open up a childcare center in our building? Are yeah, we going I to, that. I love that. Instead uh, of how are we going to hammer our people for more money? Yeah. I love that. Are yeah. we going to rent our spaces That's out right. in, in, right. in charge market rates instead yep. of the church normal? Well, since you're a member, you can have a wedding here for $50. Yeah. And it's like, no, which but... I appreciate the churches that do that yeah, because but... we had something like that. But, if your church trying to solve this, that's right. a whole if, lot if better than issues. It's different. That's a whole lot better than saying to everyone, get Love out your, your wallets. Wallet. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, for real. I was thinking, yeah. I don't know how to, but I started thinking about it, about tithing differently too, when I came down to Oaks, oh. because when you walk into a homeless shelter, that's like, it fucks you up. No, I'm just kidding. It, it does. <laughs> I mean, it does. <laughs> because you start to see like, oh, they could use like, they could use literally your $100 like on PB and J supplies. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. 100%. But instead the youth group's got to go to the dodgeball tournament, 3000, you know dude, what I'm saying? Like, dude, I do. And you know, what's so funny. We haven't talked about this and we've got to do an episode at Oaks, you know, in the next totally. couple of months, but especially for the holidays, like, cause that's when people give a shit about giving to homeless people is when it's no, cold. Yeah. But, um, uh, honest to God, I, it is so hard for me. Like I see youth group events from like my friends, right? Like people that I'm friends with, people that probably are listening to this podcast. I know. And and I love them, right? Like, I'm sorry if this is gonna this is gonna hit hit different for you, but I see friends of mine and they're leading these events that I know costed them, you know, 500, 1,000, 10 grand, you know, well, that's dramatic, but uh, but very expensive events for entertainment value. Right. And, and they'll spin it any sort of way. It's community. It's getting the kids like, no, bro, you guys can create community with a projector I know, I know. At, at Oaks with the shelter, with the kids and, and doing a bunch of like, if like, you're creative enough to yeah. make a lumberjack dodgeball tournament to <laughs> pizza, Palooza, pancake, <laughs> flapjack, a thon. If you're creative enough as a leader to do that, yes. yes. Then, then try to have an event where you don't, don't spend money on right. your students having fun or you s do right. something for free or whatever and go go sp go or, impact your community or do that event and host it at the shelter yeah. host it at a food pantry host it at a place where people that aren't in just your youth group i'm just saying get creative right right so i think that's i think that's hard like once you see i think the money conversation does become very hard and very different when you are in a community that people are literally coming in and they're starving yeah. like literally had a kid come in today hadn't had no food he got school lunch because it's for free he, you know it's free in michigan so it's free school lunch but then literally had no they have no food in their house no food no money and food stamps their bridge card didn't renew until today so this was Actually, this was uh, uh, Wednesday that this happened and he came in and he was just desperate for snacks, you know, this 13 year old kid. And you're just like, this is real. Right. But but people that are the same age and that would look just like him and seem like him are getting a dodgeball flapjack lumberjackathon down the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? But that's the reality. So like, that's just what's so sad about tithing and money. Like if these churches that are saying pull out your wallets would actually take that money and not only pay pay for their staff or pay for their own shit, but then also go and like be, I just feel like tithing would be a much better conversation. And I don't envy church leaders trying to solve the, this problem 
like, honestly, some of these questions, these are why I'm not in the church anymore because I, they bother me too much. Yeah. These questions, because I understand you have to still have community, Mm -hmm. but you better be able to show me what you're doing for your, for your community outside of your church walls. Yeah. And like the one call or the caller, like the one uh, message said, like, I want to know who the pastor is and what they're doing with the money. So do we. Yeah. So do we. (laughs) And show us the receipts. And I want the church to get off my back if I decide to give to organizations that are non-church organizations, and that is part of my tithe. And you would think that they that that would be a no-brainer. You would think, yeah. Anyways, so uh, big man energy or not? Nah? This is also big man energy. It feels like it's starting to get a little. Angry, I'm starting but... to get a little angry. <laughs> but speaking speaking of anger, let's uh, let's uh, hit what's what's going on this week with big man energy. Hmm, what y'all mad about now? Y'all really pressed over that shit, wow. Big, mad, y'all got big, mad energy. Y'all just want an excuse Welcome back. Uh, we wanted to talk about... <laughs> it's just so funny. We want to talk it. about Donald Trump turning himself <laughs> in. Bro, bro. The mugshot around the world. You guys... This the is, mugshot is good. This is my favorite. And obviously it's on the screen, like without even, I hope there's 10 on the screen, like one with like mustache on it, oh. like all the hilarious, like the amount of like funny memes I've seen with this mugshot unending. Definitely unending. meme it up. Cover yeah, the whole screen We're we are not relevant. Here's my favorite. Um, I looked up, uh, I wanted to know like what Trump said. I'm like, was there anything? Because I didn't really know. Like, I just saw the mugshot. That was enough for me. I didn't Honestly, he's else. been indicted so many times. I'm okay. like, I, I have no clue what's it, about to happen. Exactly. I had to, like, ask my, like, smarter politically brother and be exactly. like, be like, so does that mean he's no, in jail right not, now? But, but right. No, he has too much money. Yeah, so exactly. he's actually. <laughs> he's in, he's invincible, really. But, right, right, right. But it says, but I looked up. I'm like, what did Trump say during mugshot? Like, because, you know, somebody got something, right? <laughs> it says. And, it, and it's just, I hope it's the title of this episode, what he said. Trump, who had over 88 million, shame on all of you motherfuckers, first of all. But Trump, who had over 88 million followers when Twitter banned him, posted a photo on Thursday of the mugshot with the words, election interference, never surrender. <laughs> and I'm just, it really, it was literally just. God, never surrender. The episode, the episode. Make it trend. Send never. <laughs> You're. I, Can you imagine? But you did surrender. You, you did surrender. Never surrender. If you didn't surrender, you wouldn't have got a mugshot. <laughs> this is going to be such a hard couple of months going into this like election season. I know. We're going to navigate it the best way we can. We hope you trust us with that. But like oh, these God. moments are so funny. They're so funny. And I love like I love my friends who are conservative, right? And they don't want anything to do with Trump, but they are conservative. And like the even the memes that they've posted, like just the hilarity of the photo and the situation. Like, yeah, something it's not like an anti-conservative episode. It's just it's just the situation with Donald Trump. Something so like ridiculous. when they forget your Chick-fil-A sauce. Oh my God, <laughs> stop, stop. Tyler, um, Tyler sent me one. I got one that said something like when they're out of your marble lights or something like your favorite cigarettes because it's because of his hair and like just the anger. Bro. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. When your, baby, when your baby was up all night. So why are conservatives mad about the buckshot? Oh, God, because ne- never surrender. It's garbage. Trump is innocent. Mm-hmm. He's never done anything wrong. 
Yeah. That's why. So shame on shame on every legal system ever. Stop the steal. <laughs> Never <laughs> surrender. Never surrender. Can you imagine? I don't get political a lot. Dude. But can you imagine thinking we did just talk about abortion last Thinking episode, Trump's so yeah. you're still your president? Oh my god, bro. <laughs> Wait, what was the picture you said the other day? Really quick. Brandon god. sent Oh my god, it was so funny. Do you remember? I don't have my phone. It was the <laughs> it was the picture. I know exactly where you sent it to. Um, it was this picture of a truck. <laughs> oh the truck? I was driving and this truck had the residue from their <laughs> sticker that said Trump Ooh, 2020 in the residue and they had taken it off but the residue mark was left on the dude, truck dude um and still had the make america great again in the window oh but stop stop yeah but yeah it's just but brandon's brandon's caption was my favorite um and and we've got to post this picture i hope we can somehow like zoom in and, and get it and like blur out the license plates so we can post it but brandon's caption to this photo when he sent it to us was must not have worked out for you because <laughs> the truck says trump 2020 <laughs> oh my god but you can tell that they tried like yeah to, to rub it off oh god so funny dude so i don't know this answer is trump well, in jail definitely right? don't is trump me. in jail right now oh god no he, he took his picture and then left yeah he has so much money bailed right out he's like a multi-billion gajillion see i don't understand what's over a system. billion <laughs> i don't understand because you know it's so fucked up I you know. know one indictment in and i would have been in jail and he's got eight thousand. <laughs> no a little slap on the wrist you've been in jail a little parking ticket <laughs> a little speed chase and you almost <laughs> went to jail oh my gosh but that's for the next episode we love you guys Maybe. party on you'll have to stay tuned for 17 because we're definitely going to tell that story yeah. kill me now sorry <laughs> too bad <laughs> the, the time brandon almost went to jail see you guys next episode that's a cliffhanger hey fam thanks for listening to this week's episode of the religious dropouts podcast we hope it gave you a space to breathe to laugh and connect it's our hope that as you journey along with us, that you too might find yourself saying, damn, it feels good to be a dropout. Be sure to check out our show notes for links to anything mentioned in this episode, including ways to connect with us on social media. We'd also love for you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with anyone you know who might want to join our community. You are loved. Have a great week.